Did you know that students get it free? The Irish Times offers a free digital subscription to all full-time undergraduates. Keep up to date for free with quality journalism and reporting. Claim yours today at irishtimes.com slash subscribe slash student. Childcare is a major cost for most parents and the latest figures show it continues to be a financial burden. Parents in Ireland today are facing some of the highest childcare costs in the world. So my partner and I currently pay €2,000 a month in childcare after paying our mortgage and our childcare fees and our extortionate bills for winter. We really have nothing left at the end of each month. And for families like that of Lucy Barrett and her husband Yannick, paying the creche fees for their two daughters has become like paying a second mortgage. The impact for us is no social life. We don't go out. We don't really go away. We just scrape by. As we know, skyrocketing childcare costs are nothing new here in Ireland. There's been calls for a major overhaul to how the sector is funded for years now. We want to make early childhood education and childcare a public service. We want to invest to ensure that workers, that they're properly paid and that they have a good career ladder. But at a time when the price of just about everything seems to be on the rise, from groceries to rent, energy and housing, parents are once again looking for some help. As Irish Times features writer Jennifer O'Connell has been finding out. They've heard a lot of promises about how the fees will come down or the fees will be frozen or childcare costs will be tackled, but they're not seeing any evidence of it. And the reality is that this is forcing a lot of Irish families to make really heartbreaking decisions about whether or not they can have a second child or a third child. Um, And we heard from a lot of parents who said to us that I can't afford to give my child a sibling. So now, with the budget less than 10 days away, what relief can be expected for parents? Will we finally be on track to fully reform the sector? I'm Sarah Pollock and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, why is the price of childcare in Ireland so high and what can be done about it? Jen, you've spoken to numerous parents, particularly mothers, who have ended up struggling between whether to pay the exorbitant cost of a creche or just quite simply give up their career and care for their children themselves. But I'm interested to know, how did Ireland reach this point? When formal childcare in this country really got off the ground about 20 years ago, could we have foreseen these skyrocketing costs? Yeah, it's a really good question, Sirka, because you do actually need to go back, I think, 20 years to when we were first establishing formal early years education settings, what we mostly would know now as creches. They weren't really around in the 1990s. And a lot of the problems that we're now seeing are rooted in the ideology of back then, which was that early years education was never seen from a child's perspective or even from that of parents, but it was seen as a purely economic solution. The workforce was in need of women, uh, we had a booming economy, and childcare was literally a means to allow women to get back to work. So the child was never at the centre of it, and it wasn't designed to meet the needs of families, it was designed primarily, I think, to meet the needs of employers. So what happened then was that there was all this attention and focus on getting kind of the physical infrastructure in place and, you know, building the buildings and tax incentives and all that. Um, And the idea was then that you would let the market look after the rest. So I'm sure that sounds familiar to anybody who's uh, read anything about the housing crisis. But there was very little thought given to funding or staffing or what childcare in Ireland should look like from the parent's point of view or from the child's point of view. Mm. So it was all about almost like a a model of babysitting, but places for these babies to go during the working day so that their mothers, because it was all about um, women, can get back into the workforce. But there was no attention paid to what it was going to cost to do that. 
My partner is from Belgium, where childcare is nine euro a day uh, on average. So, I mean, the difference is just staggering. They'd be looking at 200, 250 euro a month for childcare uh, per child, as opposed to here, let's say, 1100 euro a month per child. Jen, where does Ireland rank internationally when it comes to childcare costs? We often hear about the wonderful scanty countries like Sweden and Finland who offer far more affordable childcare options. And we've just heard from Lucy about how it works in Belgium. So what about the rest of Europe? Are we really that bad here in Ireland? It was funny, like a lot of the, the submissions that were sent in to us originally um, were parents who were saying things like a relative in Sweden pays 200 euros a month for subsidised preschool care, while another relative's preschool care in Japan is 400 euros per month for six days a week full time. Or one person said, my, my friends in Finland are paying 150 euros per month for the creche and we're paying 1100. And like, how is it so different? And, you know, you kind of hear these stories and you think, well, is, is that all a bit apocryphal? But no, it's not. I mean, if Irish parents feel like they are paying amongst the highest childcare costs in the world they're absolutely right um there was a esri so the economic and social research institute published a report in 2019 which found that irish parents are paying among the the highest childcare costs in the oecd region um and a unicef survey from 2021 found that along with new zealand and switzerland we have the least affordable childcare for the middle class in in wealthy countries so I spoke to Dr. Karina Dorley of the ESRI, who was one of the authors of that report that I mentioned, and she looked at this in some detail and she said it's actually quite difficult to compare what Irish parents pay to parents in other parts of the world um, because you are you have to compare the cost of two, uh, two children in full-time formal care. That's what those surveys tend to be based on. But because full-time formal care is so expensive here, Irish parents can't afford it. So they're generally speaking, trying to put their children in part time and take a bit of unpaid parental leave or rely on grandparents or, you know, maybe take a half day off work or take holidays or they're, they're you know, they're trying to stitch it together. So it's actually quite difficult to draw um, international comparisons. How much do you think, Jen, should the Irish state be spending on childcare? I mean, is there an international standard out there and how are how far off are we? This is absolutely the key issue, according to anybody you speak to um, who has knowledge of this sector. So currently, the internationally recommended investment in childcare is 1% of GDP. And Ireland has historically invested 0.2%. And this, that's gone up now, I think, to 0.37%. But it's an absolutely enormous gap that needs to be bridged. Mm. And, and it's basically the short answer to the question of why is childcare so expensive here? That's the answer. Why is there such a shortage of places for babies under 18 months? Well, one of the things that came out um, in, that, that I hadn't been aware of at all was that um, there's, there's a real separate crisis almost brewing in baby care. Um, one woman who came forward to us told us that she approached a crash whose waiting list for the baby room runs into 2024, which means that some of the children on the waiting list haven't even been conceived yet. Mm. Um, and I, I think other people have heard that story mm. as well. So, you know, I think what's happened is that um, the regulations for minding babies in particular are very stringent and, and arguably rightly so. But there is a feeling, I think, in the sector that perhaps they've become too stringent. So, so to look after three babies, you need one qualified early childhood educator. Um, and that's just simply not seen as a good use of the space in creches. It's, it's very labour intensive and it's not profitable for a lot of childcare providers who are limited by the amount of space that they have. They're limited by the physical size of the building 
you know, as to how many children they could take in. So it makes more sense for them to use those places up for children who don't need such a high ratio of Mm. care. So a a lot of parents are just finding, particularly in Dublin, that for babies under 18 months, they just can't get a place. So what they're having to do is they're having to take unpaid parental leave or they're having to turn to childminders or they're having to rely on grandparents or divvy up their time some other way. And, you know, it's, it's incredibly stressful for those parents. Moving away from crashes for a minute, um, what do we know about parents who rely on childminders to care for their children? Do we know how many parents use childminders in Ireland and are parents who choose this option still facing unaffordable costs and, and fees? Yeah, so I think the question of childminders is the big elephant in the room. Now, when my kids were smaller, I like like a lot of parents actually used childminders rather than um, creches because I had two children very close together and the cost of having two of them in a creche was just unaffordable. So instead we, we had a childminder. But nobody knows how many unregulated uh, childminders are really operating out there. There's there's a few estimates um, that the figure is somewhere around 15,000 children are being cared for by a childminder at the moment. But for years, a huge sector of the workforce was, like me, reliant on on that childcare black market. And yet the policy of successive governments has been just to completely pretend it's not happening and turn a blind eye to it. Now, that is due to change. The government has a new action plan on childminding. And one of its objectives is to extend the government subsidies um, that are becoming available to parents who use childminders. Because, of course, if your childminder is not registered with TUSLA, uh, then you're not going to be able to avail of any subsidies that might be coming the way of parents. Um, in the next budget or over the next couple of years. But um, getting childminders to register with TUSLA has been uh, historically a very significant stumbling block. So um, I came across a figure in in the government's action plan on on childminding report, um, which said that since 2019, childminders caring for six or more children of any age or three or more preschool children are supposed to have registered with TUSLA, right? But by September 2020, the number who had done so was 77. So only 77 child minors in the entire country have gone ahead and registered with TUSLA. Now, there's something stopping them from doing that. And nobody seems to be quite clear on what it is. Um, I wondered whether it was if they're concerned about coming into the tax net, if they're concerned about the financial implications or if they're if they're concerned about having to, to retrospectively pay tax on un- undeclared earnings. Um, but somebody who works in the sector told me that they think a far bigger issue actually is needing to get up to the standard of regulations that, say, a large, you know, crash that's part of a, mm. a chain might be able to meet in terms of fire regulations and you know how many bathrooms they need to have or how many sinks they need to have or the proportion of inside space to outside space or any of those kind of things. Coming up, what can the government do to bring childcare costs down for parents? Jen, can I ask you about some of the measures that the government has introduced in recent years to try and deal with this crisis. What have they been and why haven't they worked? As we discovered when we put the call out to readers, a lot felt that the changes that have been introduced so far have barely even scratched the surface of their, their childcare costs. And some found that actually this September their cost of childcare went went up. Um, but that's not to say that the government doesn't have an appetite to tackle this. And there is a real sense that it's starting to play catch up at last. Um, and I think you'll find even there's a certain amount of cautious optimism among some childcare providers, not all, but that the intention is there at last to fix this. 
though they're all very much waiting to see uh, what's going to happen in the budget later this month. So the commitment that the government has made is a really bold one. Um, it, it, Minister for Children, Roderick O'Gorman, has said that he wants the average cost of childcare to be halved over the next two budgets. So that's a really, really significant commitment. Now, how and when that will happen and what it'll look like and whether it will help all childcare providers, including child minors, or whether it'll just help people in those formal childcare settings are the really big unanswered questions. So last week, Minister for Children Roderick O'Gorman announced new minimum pay rates for childcare workers, which is all part of a rollout of a new €221 million core funding scheme for the sector. Jen, how does this core funding scheme work and are childcare workers signing up to it? So in essence, the core funding scheme offers grants to childcare providers to help them meet their operating costs and it guarantees a minimum salary to workers. Um, And the condition for signing up to the scheme is that those who join it must agree to freeze fees until 2023 at September 2021 rates. So in other words, you won't see any increase this year and you won't see any increase next year. Now, Roderick O'Gorman's department told me last week that 95% of childcare providers have signed up to not increasing fees. Um, And the target for that scheme is that that 221 million will increase to almost 1 billion euros by the year 2028. But there isn't a lot of clarity about how that'll happen or what it'll be spent on. Um, And there are a number of childcare providers that have concerns that that core funding scheme is not going to work for them. These are mostly those who offer morning only care under the the ECCE scheme, um, which is the three hours of education every morning from I think it's it's 9 a.m. to 12 midday. Um, And that's that's available to children aged between, I think, two years and eight months and five and a half years. Um, But some of those providers who offer only that have pointed to there's an anomaly in the scheme, which they believe means that the core funding won't actually cover their costs. And some of them have even warned that they'll have to close. So again, I think everybody's waiting to see what comes in the budget and and what that'll mean for for those smaller childcare providers. As you say, everyone is waiting to see what will happen in the budget. But Roderick O'Gorman did hail these new pay rates as historic and a significant start in improving the sector. Do you think this move will really make any difference to the amount people are paying for care? On its own, will it make a difference? I don't know. I think for parents, they definitely feel that having fees frozen at levels that are already totally unsustainable, like a second mortgage, Mm -hmm. isn't any help to them. Um, And what they need is a sharp reduction in fees. Um, Childcare providers now are pointing out that their costs, so since they signed up for the scheme, which was much earlier this year, their costs have gone up significantly too, like all businesses. Um, So again, you know, I think in order for for there to be much confidence that this is going to make a difference, we'd need to see a 25% reduction or a 30% reduction in the budget. And the question is, you know, is that going to happen and and how would it be delivered? Also last week, uh, Labour Party leader Ivana Bacic called on the government to include a €200 per month cap on childcare costs. Do you think the current government coalition has the initiative and the drive to include this kind of drastic subsidy for childcare in the upcoming budget? No, I don't think that's on that's on the cards, frankly. I mean, I think that Roderick O'Gorman has been very clear that he wants to see childcare costs halved. Um, and what Ivana Bacic is talking about, a 200 euro per month cap, that would mean cutting childcare costs by 
75 or, or 80% in a single budget. Mm. So I think that's far beyond what the government has committed to and, and probably far beyond what there is funding for. So, I mean, what are the changes and supports that we can realistically expect to see? I suppose at the moment, there are three different schemes um, aimed at helping parents in existence and any one of these could be enhanced. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. So there's a scheme called the National Childcare Scheme, which is a means t- tested subsidy for parents earning up to a family income of 60,000 euros net. That's their after tax income um, and that sort of tapers off as they get closer to the 60,000 euro mark so it's a very pr- progressive subsidy in the sense that the less you earn the more you get towards your childcare costs um, there's a universal subsidy for all children up to 15 years of age which works out at 50 cents per hour which to be honest as one childcare provider said to me or one academic actually said to me that's kind of insulting 50 cents per hour when you're talking mm. about what's the equivalent of a second mortgage so this there's definitely scope to increase that universal subsidy um, and then there's the early childcare and education s- scheme which is known as the ECCE scheme or sometimes you hear it referred to as the ECHI scheme which is the three free hours per day um, for all children um, between two and a half and, and five and a half um, which again that runs from 9am to midday it, it, it feels like it's not really designed to help working parents but in a sense you know as I said at, at the start like we need to kind of change our ideology around this and we need to start seeing the early childcare sector as part of the education system. So Mm. in that sense, you know, if we're talking about not seeing it as a babysitting service, but actually seeing it as a core part of a child's education, then the fact that it runs from 9am to 12 midday shouldn't really be an issue. But it's the hours after that that parents need help with. Um, So there are obvious areas for reform in there. I think, you you know, you don't have to be sort of an expert in this area to think that like raising that universal subsidy from 50 cents per hour would be a a fairly easy win um, for parents. Um, then another thing that they could do, I think, is raise the income threshold on the National Childcare Scheme or even just to make sure that it tapers a bit more gradually. So one of the parents that I spoke to found that they're actually getting less this year because their income had gone up so slightly. So I think their family income was in the region of about 58,000 euros net and it had gone up to just over 60,000 euros net. And that meant that suddenly they'd lost a a huge amount of their their benefit, their payment towards childcare. So I think um, if that model was to taper off a bit more gradually, I think that that could make it much more progressive. And it will mean that it's not such a disincentive then to, to parents to increase their hours or to or to go for a better paid job. And then I think, I don't know if this is going to happen in this budget. Um, there's certainly the, the action plan on childminding has stated that its aim is is to get more, you know, get those unregistered childminders into, into the scheme so that parents can benefit from those incentives. But that's something else that I'll be watching closely. Jen, let's be honest here, though, as much as we talk about living in an equal society in Ireland, it's the mothers who almost always end up giving up their career when childcare costs become too much. It was the mothers who mostly got in touch with the Irish Times with their stories. What does that say about how equal Irish society really is when it comes to childcare? Oh, Sirka, you know, I think this is one of the most depressing aspects of this story, which I've come back to again and again over my career. I mean, I've been in journalism now 25 years and since the very early days of my career when I was a reporter uh, with another newspaper I was writing about childcare and creches and sort of the establishment of creches and everything and back then I was interviewing women and today in 2022 we put a call out into the Irish Times and of the 50 or so responses we got I think there were maybe two or three men who came forward to talk about the cost of childcare 
Um, and I find that profoundly depressing. Where are the men's voices in this? Where are the voices of, of the fathers? And it was the same during COVID, you know, when we were talking about um, there's, there was nothing in place for, for childcare when we, they were talking about people getting back to work or working remotely. Um, it, again, it was women who were talking about it. But I, I suppose maybe we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we still live in a country in which the notion that a woman's place is in the, in the home is enshrined in our constitution, in Article 41.2 of the constitution. Um, and even then, we're nowhere near living up to the aspiration in the constitution that the state shall endeavour to ensure that mothers shall not be obliged by economic necessity to engage in labour to the neglect of their duties in the home. <laughs> and of course, I mean, I don't know of any families uh, anymore where there aren't two incomes required to try and you know meet the cost of living. So yeah, you know, too frequently the burden of figuring out how this whole childcare crisis is to be navigated seems to be falling back on, on women. And the other thing that I found really, really kind of depressing was that of the people who said they were considering whether or not they could afford to go back to work, uh, it was almost all women. I think there was, in one case, one of the people that I spoke to, she said that um, she and her husband were debating which of them should stay at home. But other than that, I think across the board, the women were saying, well, I earn less, so it'll be me who ends up staying at home. And I really got a sense of frustration. I think that's one of the things that has changed over the course of my career. I think it wasn't really 20 years ago. It wasn't that socially acceptable for women to say, I like working. I love my job. I love the sense of value and purpose that it gives me. And my children do great in, in childcare. And there's plenty of academic research now to, to back up the fact that children do fantastically well in really good childcare settings. So there's no need for anybody to feel you know guilty about saying that anymore. And I think that's that's great that women are able to say, I like my job. I need the income and I want to work and I don't want to have to give up work. Um, but the reality is there are still too many women looking at the figures and looking at the bills that they're paying and saying, yeah, I can't afford to stay in the workforce. What are the longer term societal benefits of offering high quality but also affordable childcare to Irish families? You know, there, there is a mass of literature over the last 20 years about the benefits of two states of investing in really good quality early childcare interventions. And all of that research finds that it becomes cost neutral. So if you invest as a state, if you invest in good quality childcare, it will pay dividends into the next generation. And it's children from low income households who benefit most. So they have better outcomes in terms of education, in terms of the labour market, in terms of their overall health, in terms of the likelihood of them getting involved in crime. Um, so, you know, if we can decide as a state, as a society, that we will change our ideology and we will stop looking on childcare as a babysitting service or as a favour to, to, to women and start recognising it for what it is, which is it is a core part of our early years education and it is a core part of a child's experience. Um, we will all benefit. Parents will benefit, obviously. Children will benefit, most importantly, but employers will benefit and the state will benefit and, and society will benefit in, in the long term. Jennifer O'Connell, thanks so much as always for your time. Thanks, Erica. That's all for today. My thanks to our guests, Jennifer O'Connell and Lucy Barrett. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the News will be back on Friday. <laughs>